Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right Welcome now. Welcome to the Helmet. We've got some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Got some interesting data points. I wanted to go over three things in terms of utilization coming out of week three that you can take away to your Dynasty leagues. Let's start in Atlanta. Janu Smith is the name of the hour. That 67% of routes in week three. And this has been something that's been building week two uh, into week three and now headed forward. Kyle Pitts is playing wide receiver. And that means that the open uh, spot is at starting tight end. And a lot of people looking past John Smith as a bit player, always going to be quote unquote behind Kyle Pitts this year. Tight end has been a train wreck uh, position that if you, in terms of getting it right this year, there's so many twists and turns in terms of trying to find upside. Sam Laporta has been a massive surprise. Kelsey, finally healthy, putting up 18 points this past week. Um, but the number of guys that have been as good over the last two weeks as uh, as John New Smith, it's a pretty small number. And he, yes, you can say he's blending in, but guys like Jacob Ferguson already rostered, Hunter Henry already rostered, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, keep going. All these guys are already rostered. And John New Smith over the last two weeks coming into coming into Monday Night Football is tight end 11. So a highly relevant player, and yet he's tight end 48 in roster rate over there at my fantasy league. And I want to go over a couple different things. I mentioned the 67% route participation this past week. But we have almost an 8A dot. A lot of people assume he only runs short routes. Well, you know, we've got some concern about other tight ends not running deeper routes, more on that in UTH premium side. But we have John New Smith playing about half of his routes in the slot. He also has run 67 routes as a, a hearty total, 14 targets, and, and again, doing good things after the catch, 1.25 yards per route run uh, over, over this season so far. Uh, and 21% target per route run. So he's doing very good things in terms of, yeah, he should be about where he is. Hasn't scored a touchdown. Plenty of tight ends have. And so John New Smith is someone to consider in the streaming radar uh, where we do a, a tight end and a wide receiver streaming competition uh, over at over at UTH with uh, Ryan Morgan, who's contributing and myself, and we contribute picks every single week. We do it the hard way, <laughs> which is you can't repeat guys uh, in terms of if they their ownership rises, you can't stick with them. Like Kendrick Bourne after week one, for example, his ownership shot to a point where you, you could have in an existing league kept him. However, in our contest, you have to recycle him and can only reuse him if he drops back down uh, as a true week-to-week streaming uh, viable pickup option. But Johnu Smith is on that radar firmly right now because uh, he's one that, again, he's seeing good routes. He's on a team that, frankly, the wide receiver three is a question mark. I consider London and Pitts the wide receivers one and two there. 
And so this is a situation where at a position we're seeing 60, 70% of routes is enough to get you on the radar no matter what, uh, pretty much uh, on a streaming radar. Jonu Smith is just not rostered. 14% roster rate when you look at so many guys. There's backups like Noah Gray. Uh, there's guys that haven't done anything uh, in the last couple of weeks like Adam Troutman uh, or Austin Hooper, for example. Logan Thomas isn't even healthy, and what would he do? These are guys with two to three X roster rates of John New Smith. So, so John New Smith is the first big one that I wanted to highlight coming out of week three and the utilization data. Next, let's talk Nelson Aguilar. Last week, uh, week two, excuse me, played about 25% of routes. You had Odell Beckham missing a little time, Rashad Bateman in the 50% range uh, in terms of being on the field for those passing plays. Let's fast forward to week three. Nelson Aguilar rarely left the field. Odell Beckham, he's hurt. Now we got Rashad Bateman, he's hurt. Zay Flowers, they're mixing him a little bit in deeper routes, but his average depth of target this year is five. So we're talking about basically uh, lower than a tight end. A typical tight end is going to see a higher A dot than 5.0. And we have Nelson Aguilar. I he, he there's a few players in the NFL I, I I deem, and this is a good thing in terms of a cockroach. You just cannot kill them. Whether it's Latavius Murray at the running back position, we have Nelson Aguilar at the wide receiver position. They will not go away. They're productive. Aguilar has long been seen as a round one bust. And yeah, in the round one prism, he's been a bust. But look at Zay Flowers. Look at Nelson Aguilar and others. They can come around and find a way. Aguilar, again, in week three, rarely left the field. He's playing in the slot 67% of the time. He's got 10 targets, over 100 yards on the season, 1.85 yards per route run. So solid figures. That's above his NFL average, slightly below average uh, yards per route run for his career. But the point is, this is a mash unit. Right now, they have tons of questions. He's right there neck and neck on a per route basis with Zay Flowers. He's just had fewer routes. Rashad Bateman, disappointing season. Odell Beckham, he's been okay, but he's hurt. Do we trust him? The answer is no. Uh, Mark Andrews finally getting back in the mix. And Lamar Jackson is spreading the field and slinging it there in Baltimore. Who do you trust at the running back core? Great question. The answer could be easily none of the above, just like Brewster's millions. So Nelson Aguilar is one over the last two weeks. Coming into Monday Night Football, he's wide receiver 32 in points at the wide receiver position. He's averaging 12 points per game the past couple of weeks. Again, rarely left the field, and he's on a team with so many wide receiver question marks, and he's passed wide receiver 100 in roster rate over at my fantasy league. So we put all that together and say, this is someone that if you have any sort of questions at wide receiver, if you're in a best ball league, that Nelson Aguilar has to be someone you're thinking about and saying, do I have a roster spot? Do I have a, a, a sub? optimal running back stash player here? Do I have someone that's just hurt and they're out of sight, out of mind, and they're not worthy of keeping? They're a tier three player that I should be in, out, moving, shaking, speed dating with this player on a weekly basis. And if someone else picks them up, so what? Because we're trying to chase points. And, and with our final roster spots, especially in those best ball type formats, or if it's deeper where Nelson Aguilar as your four, your five wide receiver, or someone that you're mixing in as a flex in a deeper lineup scenario, these are the types of areas you need to go into. And Nelson Aguilar stood out in week three, and frankly, in week two, when he popped off and week three now with his utilization and still having some efficiency there with his numbers. Finally, I wanted to highlight David Njoku. 
He's outside the top 20 tight ends this year in points per game. And the more worrisome fact is how he's being utilized. His snaps, his routes, everything is okay. He saw 70% of routes this past week, and that's in line with what he's been doing this season. Here's my problem. It's the Evan Ingram with the Giants uh, syndrome that his average depth of target is 1.5 yards. That's a running back-like figure. Looking at tight end, and, and tight ends fewer than three in terms of their dot. No, only two tight ends stand out on running any significant number of routes and that close to the line of scrimmage. We've got Gerald Everett, who I'm also highly concerned about. He's in a huge split there with Donald Parham, and Parham's getting red zone looks. Gerald Everett's like, what about me at 40%, 50% route share? He has 63 routes on the season. David Njoku has 95 routes, and his A dot is 1.5. This is unbelievably bad. 12% target per route run. He is just out there soaking things up. Again, better player than this. And one that, while you may not be running away in every dynasty league, this is highly concerning. Highly concerning if you can flip him to move on to other things or get a plus or say, hey, he's my tight end two, my tight end three. What value is this? Great question. His eight out of 1.5 is jarringly low. It's basically taking one step off the field and turning around. That's kind of the route that David David Njoku is currently running uh, with his ADOT. And again, 95 routes, uh, this whole list of about 15 tight ends, the only ones over 40 routes are Gerald Everett and David Njoku. This is highly concerning. He's playing in the slot. He has 11 targets. They're meaningless, meaningless targets. There's no upside here at all with the expansion of the wide receivers, especially Elijah Moore there with Cleveland. They're using in specific packages, Harrison Bryant. And we finally got a good game out of Deshaun Watson in week uh, week three. Didn't even bat- matter. So again, David Njoku, who is tight end 11 in roster rate over there at MFL. And it's just way too high. It, there's no way there's that many formats where David Njoku, I, I dropped him and and I and before kickoff, I wasn't even worried if someone picked him up in in a shallow two tight end, uh, two QB format because I view it as, well, I have Travis Kelsey. If I lose Kelsey, I'm going to go to the streaming. And I know in that depth, 24-man roster, there are other options, viable options, similar options on the waiver wire. So why would I use at all times a roster spot for a guy that is essentially at that depth in the one PPR, no frills premium format that why would I utilize a roster spot to basically have someone that is similar to the waiver wire? And that is a huge strategy point to say, what are you using this roster spot for? Because if you do not see light at the end of the tunnel, and especially in that depth where it's tight for for options to pick up. I float kicker basically every every uh, Wednesday through Sunday uh, so that I have one more spot to play with. Maybe make a trade to clear a spot. Looking at all these angles weekly because it's 24-man roster. So if you are in 25 and below, really assess. at If, if you have two or three quarterbacks on your roster and they're not really, really good, uh, ask yourself why. Uh, look at the waiver wire. Look at tight end. 
on the waiver wire and ask yourself, okay, if I had to pick one or two of these guys to pick this week, how different is that from what I have with my final spot on my active roster? Ask yourself these critical questions because a lot of times I think people sit there and they feel like they have to have insurance and a backup plan when really at some of these depths, you can look out on the waiver wire. And again, it might not be as flashy of a name, but the actual how viable would they be if I put them in my lineup? And frankly, you might have better streaming options uh, on the waiver wire because you don't have take lock. You don't have roster spot lock of saying, well, this guy, you know, I have to hold Dawson Knox. I have to hold. And it's like, really? Why? Why do you have to do that? Why do you have to hold Gerald Everett? Because you think you can trade him? Okay, well, if you think you can trade him or trade David Njoku, go ahead and try. Go out there and try. And and you may offer them for a third round pick or third to second or whatever you think they're worth. But I'll tell you this. Uh, and one good example I have from trading was after week two, or I can't remember if it was week one or week two. I think, think it was week two. Sam Howell had a great game. And uh, I think it, it might have been week one. And so... I was like, this is my only chance. This is my only chance to sell in a start one. There's just, you know, it's a road to nowhere. He was an ancillary uh, quarterback that I hopefully never would start. And I saw that there were other starters on the on the waiver wire, but he had a little juice. I think he had a rushing touchdown that game. And I was like, this is my moment. I tried to sell for moving over to, you know, a lower level wide receiver that I liked or an injury away running back that I liked. All that didn't work. A pick upgrade. These things didn't work. So ultimately, I took a huge chunk of waiver dollars. Why? It gave me flexibility, but basically, I wanted to clear the roster spot, and I knew, as case in point, Buffalo was coming up there in week three, and I was like, well, this is the best it might ever be, and I got out of the Sam Howell and one quarterback business, got the waiver dollars, and now I can utilize that any way I want going forward, and I also cleared the roster spot for someone else as opposed to an ancillary quarterback. And I mention this because quarterback and tight end in those stock formats apply this way. It may not apply to every single one of your leagues, but just keep on the radar what's out there on the waiver wire because it may be not not very different from what you're holding on the back end of your depth chart on those onesie positions. And if that's the case, then why are you allocating actual tangible roster spots for those positions and for those ancillary guys that frankly, hey, oh, I got Patrick Mahomes. Well, if he goes out, ooh, at least I get to start Sam Howell. No, you're probably in a bad place, you know, and and now you're going to be looking at quarterback. You might be looking to make a trade. Uh, You might be looking to pick up a guy one week for a a bi-week fill-in. Same thing applies at tight end if you've got a quality option that you believe in uh, that's going to typically be your weekly guy. You're not running some big committee. And frankly, the secondary part of your committee can be from the waiver wire. So keep in mind, I know it's, it feels like a leap of faith when you sit there and you're like, well, my only tight end on my roster is Jake Ferguson. Well, if you're likely to start him over David Njoku this week and it's 24-man rosters, then what's the point of David Njoku, right? Oh, in case there's an injury to Ferguson and Njoku starts playing a lot better and differently than the first three weeks, okay, ifs, buts, candy, and nuts. Like You got to be really careful about wasting roster spots. This time of year, it's about wasting roster spots. I talk about floating roster spots where I know I have to pick someone up by Sunday, and I'm floating it out there all the way, and I'm picking up kicker in the last five to 10 minutes before kickoff. Why? Because I want to get all the way to the end of the road. I want to exhaust trade options in addition to having an extra running back, wide receiver, tight end, based on someone that is iffy that week. I might need them. Maybe someone else is iffy, and I want this guy as my streamer. Um, They might get picked up. All these types of plays that you can 
uh, massage the edges of what the roster limit is in your league between the waiver wire period and uh, Sunday. And I do want to notate one more thing, which is if you have Thursday players that you know are going to be in or out of your lineup, or you're just kind of looking, when you go in on Tuesday or Wednesday and you're setting waivers, and some leagues are set up where it autofills. I know there's certain platforms that will either look at it based on start rate uh, for, or uh, what your lineup was from the previous week. So you may already have some players checked or in your starting lineup depending on the platform. But if it's a blank slate, when you go in there for your waivers every week and you're going to float kicker, you're going to maybe float defense, uh, you know, and, and you don't want to have to have a valid starting lineup uh, on Thursday per se because – you have to declare those players in or out because otherwise you're going to have to circle back and do it Thursday as opposed to doing it on the weekend. So it buys you time. So keep in mind to have uh, that clarity of Thursday. How are we looking? Is this guy trending towards being in my lineup, out of my lineup? And do your best just with that one particular player. The rest of your lineup, that's Sunday kickoffs, Monday kickoff, it doesn't really matter. And honestly, the two things that I've changed the most is, number one, that. Making sure that Thursday I have clarity on, are they projecting to be in or out of my lineup? Do my best with that on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then the other part is I've been setting my lineups on Saturday night. We already have the practice stuff, uh, you know, Friday into Saturday. We already have a really good idea, and it really takes the pressure cooker off of making some rash decision where you're kind of you could be rushing through Sunday morning. Uh, could be uh, a a period where you get squeezed down. You're like, ah, look how many leagues I got, and you have ninety minutes, sixty minutes, forty minutes, thirty minutes. Who knows how few amount of time you have? And if that's the first time you're legitimately sitting down and looking at it for the week. You, you may look at it with a not as relaxed of a brush. So Friday night into Saturday, take your time. Look at each one for a few minutes. Uh, do I need to make a move? Again, this doesn't mean you're doing nothing on Sunday, but my biggest point is make sure that you're doing the bulk of your analysis, who's in, who's out. I use start rate heavily. Uh, if you have other uh, resources that you're specifically using uh, for your lineup decisions, but make sure you're doing that ahead of the game because again, if if you get all the way to the end of the wire and that clock is counting down, you have you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes left and you're just kind of glancing at a, a team really quick, you might make impulsive and rash decisions when you're doing it on Sunday alone. So have those checkpoints in place. Like for example, I have one where I'm doing it on my laptop. I have all the, I, I have uh, one, uh, one bookmark uh, list and then I open all. So every single league I have has a different tab and when I'm done with it, I close the tab. And sometimes almost all of them are closed on Saturday. I don't really have much up in the air for Sunday. And then you know what? There might be three, five, 10 that are still open. Things to do. Uh, I have to pick up a kicker in this league. I have to figure out, you know, is this tight end playing in this league? I've got an up in the air running back situation. All those types of things, those tabs stay open. So if there's a surprise, like let's say you go into Sunday and all of a sudden uh, Kenneth Walker, you know, was not even on the injury report. He wasn't questionable. He wasn't iffy, you know, and it's a critical like, hey, if he's active, he's playing. If he's not, you know, and I'm always a conservative person. So that means if someone's truly iffy game time decision, especially if it's not a, a, a 1 p.m. Eastern kick, then if I have similar options, I'm not waiting. 
team. You know, I'm not. I'm the type that I'm moving on to analyst mode. And frankly, once the once the early games kick off, I don't want to sit there and be a dynasty owner and manager of my of my of my lineups. I want to be free and clear to watch the games, analyze them, and putting out putting out content on Sunday into Monday. Not tracking who's in, who's out uh, with. Uh, with players that we already know have some risk. So uh, depending on your DNA, make sure that your actions and your preparation going into week one align with that. And I know we're, we're three weeks in now to doing lineups and getting into our groove, but these are... Uh, these are rubber stamp tips on an annual basis that it can take a few weeks. And w- what I always say is to refine what you're doing. That with if you have something that works really well, keep doing that. But if you also heard something in this show that applies to you, that could help you, if you've ever had these things happen to you where it's like, you know, and have a DNA. Like I know iffy players, they're going to generally be out of my lineup as opposed to in. And you can also do a quick feature on a lot of these uh, a lot of these platforms, my fantasy league, I know you can do it and others that you can just quickly search, you know, in the Kenneth Walker example. So you do Kenneth Walker and it's, you know, he is, uh, you know, if he is questionable and a true game time decision, then you find that out 90 minutes before kickoff and you can do a quick all my league search and then you can, you can find those leagues quickly and adjust those on the fly, but you're not going through, you know, eight, 10, 20, 30, 50 leagues, depending on on how much you play, how many leagues you have to end up making those decisions uh, and going through them all, you know, line by line. That's the whole key is can you just look and isolate the two, three, four that it may apply to you with that specific player or that type of circumstance. So tips uh, here. And again, if you liked what you heard in the beginning of the part of the show, utilization tips, you're going to find a complete show and a lot of content. I do running back roundup, which looks at the utilization and the trend lines, add players, drop players, stock market stuff in terms of the running back position for all 32 depth charts on a weekly basis. You have a utilization report for the passing game of the 32 NFL teams, as well as other content coming throughout the week. Also, if you want to support this show, no ads, uh, in addition to becoming a general manager plus subscriber over at utshdynasty.com. How about you sign up at patreon.com slash UTH. VIP chat room is unbelievable. We talk trading heavily this time of year on a weekly basis. Who are the uh, players? What's the price points? What are we trying to execute? I talked a lot about Jerome Ford last week as we were going through the process. And again, we talk about lineup decisions. You get things like start rate matrix uh, on Saturday every single week to refine your lineup decisions. And then you're also uh, going to get, uh, if you're looking for streaming appeal, uh, I do that for kicker and defense. That comes out Saturday every week as well. Finally, I want to shout out to the week three winner of the UTH best ball contest over there, powered by MyFantasyLeague.com. Wouldn't host the platform, wouldn't host it on any other platform here. Love My Fantasy League for the Dynasty Leagues. And it goes to Michael Leggett. Uh, here. He dusted the field. It was a high scoring week, but you had to have the right guys. Michael Leggett dominated over 300 points, which is a massive score. Uh, there might only be two or three others going into uh, going in th- and passing through Monday Night Football that end up having over 250 points. He's got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. He paid up at the position, but one of the keys uh, for this week, no matter what kind of league you're in, what Miami Dolphins players do you have? He has Raheem Mostert and Devin uh, Devon Achan, uh, Achan, actually. Uh, I just saw the new pronunciation guide. Uh, Devon Achan, Achan, Chan. There we go, Achan. 
There you go. Devon Achan. I'm practicing on the air here. Uh, but he, they combined for over 100 points with the Miami backfield in this format with point per carry. But they just scored a drove of touchdowns, eight touchdowns between them in the magical Miami game. He's got Marvin Mims, who's finally starting to come around. Josh Palmer, he could benefit greatly from the Mike... Mike Williams injury. He's got Travis Kelsey coming back healthy. Sam Laporta was affordable. Luke Musgrave in the contest. He's getting good volume. Uh, Josh Allen didn't even find his lineup, uh, but he went with the stud uh, quarterback trio there in Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert with a good chunk, and it paid off here this week. Uh, Just monster game. Congratulations, Michael, and you are moving your way up in the contest. So I've been doing pretty well. Actually, Sid looks like Sid Larson out of Minnesota looks like he's going to finish second this week. And again, very early signs here, but I am the uh, the highest notable in the contest, doing pretty well and in the top two or three overall in the standing. So congratulations, Michael. Sid right up there in number two spot. And again, early signs of the contest over there at the UTH Best Ball Contest. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.